Welcome to Game & Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we have a special episode for you guys. It's one of our topic episodes. Today we're going to talk about investment watching and we're going to try and answer the question, is investment watching worth it? And what is investment watching, Aaron? Well, you know, it's watching your investments to make sure they (laughs) they make a good return. So today we're going to go over our 401ks. We're going to give you our social security numbers. Um, We're going to do everything possible so that you also can watch our investments. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, that's not what it is. Uh, Investment watching is a term that I coined. Uh, And for our purposes, we're going to say investment watching is when uh, particularly a season of a TV show or a movie or a movie franchise where let's use a TV show as an example. Um, The TV show seasons two, three, four, and five are phenomenal. um, But season one is a bit of a drag. So you kind of have to invest your time into watching season one to get the returns on the good seasons two, three, four, and five. So oftentimes people will suggest a TV show, but say, you know, uh, you can't, you kind of got to get through season one and then it gets good. Um, the idea of movies or TV shows when they quote unquote start getting good. Uh, what do you think about that? It's generally a conversation where I kind of I don't tune out, but it's never something you want to hear when someone's recommending a show. And it's never something you want to catch yourself saying when you're recommending a show to somebody or a movie. And it's it's unfortunate that that can be a thing sometimes. But it's 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 funny how we find ourselves sometimes being a very passionate fan of something only to realize that when we are explaining it, we're almost realizing in the moment that we're recommending to somebody that, oh, wait, yeah, it isn't actually good until the second season. So you gotta, you gotta stick with it until then. It's such a hard pitch. I hate having that conversation. Recommendations in general are really hard because recommendations are personal, right? Uh, So then to add on top of that, basically you have to do homework before you get to the gooey, gooey center um it's hard but i mean i'm sure you'll agree there are tv shows films franchises that uh well maybe we'll disagree uh some would say that are worth kind of slogging through the not great stuff yeah and i one thing that we weren't planning on talking about or maybe you were but i wasn't that we might need to is the idea of the sunk cost fallacy Oh, tell everyone what the sunk cost fallacy is. I mean, in the most like layman's terms, it's kind of this false sense of gratification and that what you what you the time you put towards something was worth it. That I'm I'm like butchering this completely. It's, 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 it's like you feel like you have spent your time. It's been worth the time you've spent because you spent that time. And you're almost tricking yourself into thinking that you spent your time valuably when maybe you did it. Yeah. It's like going to the casino and pouring money into slot machines and then you win a hundred dollars and you're really happy, but you may have spent $300 getting to that hundred. Yeah. And I meant it when I said I was not planning on talking about it. I just (laughs) flubbed my way through a definition, but you're no, you're, you nailed it. And It's one of those things that I find myself talking about a lot more in the context of video games when I am like working towards a particular challenge when it's like, why am I doing this? You know, this is ridiculous. Then when I finally complete it, even if it's like 10 hours of my time later, I'm usually like that was worth every second. And someone else could easily come along and say, well, that's some cost fallacy. But it's all a matter of perspective. And all that matters is what you think. And you could lie to yourself all you want. And by you, I don't mean you, Aaron. I don't mean you, the people listening. I meant you, the, the who is doing the thing. If you feel happy, if you are happy that you lost $10,000 at the blackjack <laughs> table, then good on you. But you won that hundred. So you it won makes that it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very extreme example of the sunk cost fallacy because then you would argue you objectively got very little out of it. And, it, and I guess it depends on what you're spending, right? Money versus time. And for right. me, it's all, it's it's usually time. I'm not really caught up. I, I fortunately don't have a gambling addiction. And did you say fortunately or unfortunately? Fortunately, I do not have a gambling addiction. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't have a, a compulsive <laughs> urge to gamble. God, I wish I did. 
Um, but I, yeah, I find myself asking myself, like, why am I doing this often with it? And, and sometimes, and, and then I stop, I, I'm not incapable of saying no to a very time consuming challenge that really gets me nothing but the ability to say that I did it. But sometimes, you know, it's worth it. And, and, and we, not, we'll, Probably need to revisit this subject at some point. We could do a whole episode on the sunk cost fallacy in video games, or at least Absolutely. I could. But like you, not that you can't, and I'm not saying you haven't experienced it, but you are better at walking away than I am in a video game. Oh, I, I cut my losses. I cut and run uh, yeah. when I have to. I have no problem with that. You, But you also do spread your seed a lot out a lot <laughs> more than I do. <laughs> Can you can you contextualize that so people don't think that I'm uh, out there just shooting wads all over the place? Yeah, um, you <laughs> you play a lot of video games. You've got a you have a lot of lovers. Uh, the lovers being video games, and I think you it makes it easy for you to kind of cut bait and run um, when things go bad with one of them because you can you you can just have another five to to fill that void. <laughs> I'm you like, know, this, this sounds so cruel that yeah. I'm saying. I'm really sorry. No, you're fine. You know, I as you're saying, and it makes me think I'm the billionaire playboy. I'm the Bruce Wayne of video games. I think you. I think you are. You just you, when they're yeah. ready to register the China, I up and disappear on them. To exactly. reference an episode we did recently, <laughs> exactly, and to also reference it, you've given a lot of video games HPV. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's what my doctor tells me. <laughs> uh, so I, I hope that contextualized it better while also, um, leaving some room for some good, good jabs. Yeah. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk mainly about TV shows. Uh, typically when people talk about investment watching, at least from the conversations that I've had, it's usually about TV shows. Um, but it can also be about films, you know, like let's say you have a two, three hour film. And people say, boy, the first hour was a real slog before you get to the good stuff. Um, we'll also talk about film franchises, right? So uh, you got to sit through the first movie, but the next two are good, et cetera. And um, to, get a, to get ahead of it really quickly, and we talked about this before we started recording, is I'm, I'm very interested to hear what movies you come up with. Because I really racked my brain trying to think of a movie. I thought of some film franchises, but I didn't think of like a movie where I really felt that passionate about. And you may you might say something that I completely agree with it just for some reason, I could not think of a movie like a good example of that because one in one I, way or another, I, it's hard for me to find like a, like a long movie. And it typically would be a long one where it's like, Oh yeah, you got to get through the first like hour. Like I saw, you know, I I've seen a movie recently where I didn't like the first 15 minutes, but I thought the rest was excellent, but I wouldn't have used that as an example. My example for the film uh, personally, I disagree with, but I've heard from multiple people that, um, the first hour is a slog to get through. I, I've said slog more times in this recording briefly than I have in my entire life. Does this uh, movie, uh, does it, its title rhyme with Titanic? Ooh, um, no. Also, wouldn't Titanic just rhyme <laughs> with Titanic? It does, yeah. <laughs> sure does. Um, so shall we jump into some yeah. TV shows? We'll, yeah, um, we'll just run through a few, uh, and kind of give our thoughts up, uh, and opinions on them. I have some shows on my list that you may not have seen, and you may have some shows on my list that I have not seen. Uh, but for ones that we've seen together, we'll, we'll talk about those. Sure. So do you want to start? Sure. So I, I, the one that I picked, uh, as a kind of representative of TV comedies and I'm not really including, it's kind of all encompassing in some way, but I find that this is more like, what's the word? Is it syndicated? I forget. I can't, the, the term is, is escaping me, but like yeah. not, not prime time necessarily, but like HBO comedies like Barry and Veep, I'm, I don't really put in this same category. I'm thinking of more, and my example is Parks and Recreation. And that's an, an also like an off-sighted example of like investment watching as you've coined the term um but i would argue that similar things can be said about the likes of new girl seinfeld depending on who you talk to uh, like brooklyn 99 those similar types of shows like that and maybe 30 rock actually i kind of started a rewatch of 30 rock and i found that season one was a lot more of a slog you should just ring a bell every time we say it uh than i remember and it's not it, you know 
so as an example, so Parks and Recreation, the first season is much slower than what it eventually became. It kind of had a little bit of an emphasis on cringe comedy, not totally unlike how the first season of The Office is compares to the remainder of the show. And the first season of The Office is frequently brought up when this topic comes up. And I didn't bring it up because I liked the first season of The Office and I didn't really care for the show after that. Really? Yeah. You might be one of seven people on the planet that feels that way. I feel, I know, I feel very lonely. Um, But Parks and Recreation really starts to hit its stride kind of in the middle of the second season. I would argue that it doesn't really get great until the third season. But you can tell there is a big shift, especially after the first season and even getting into the beginning of the second season. But it's a very noticeable shift. And I just find that the show really starts nailing its jokes. The writers become more confident. They kind of start figuring out a little bit more about who the characters are and they more confidently develop those characters. And again, this is something you can say about many different comedies and probably many of the other shows that we're going to bring up. And and Seinfeld's another good example too, because I mean, granted, they, they the whole show about nothing format it, it existed from the beginning, but season one and even like kind of getting all the way to like season two, it, it's maybe arguably a little more like formulaic, almost like they didn't have as much confidence in the idea, and then they've just fully said fuck it by I don't know season part of season two or season three, but not to digress more from parks and recreation, but it really, it's a kind of a, it's a good example. I mean, they, you really start getting to know the characters by the second or third season too. And again, you can say the same sort of thing about a lot of different shows, but it's, it's one of those things where unfortunately it's a kind of a slower and shorter first season. I mean, so it's not as much of an investment and one, maybe we should say like, is this a show we recommend? And I, I, I would have, I would That's think the thing. I think yeah. by the end of the episode, we're gonna definitively answer. Each of us is gonna get yes or no. Is investment watching worth it in general? Yeah. And okay. I mean, maybe I shouldn't answer that question now, but I would effectively be answering it based on my opinions about all of these shows I've brought up because I I have I have not gone back and rewatched Parks and Recreation very often, and when I do, I skip season one entirely, and I've told people to just skip season one. Can I uh, can I tell you the exact moment in season two where the show starts to work? Uh, yes, please do. Is it when Mark Brandanowitz goes away? It is when Mark Brandanowitz goes away. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly the moment. And I, I mean, I've yeah, I've quite literally told people to just skip the first season. And it's not the only um, thing on my list where I've told people to do that. So, but so we're answering the question: Is investment watching worth it? But at the same time. If the, even if the answer is yes, other people that to whom the show is being recommended might not even experience it if they do, in fact, skip. And I am someone who needs to watch everything typically for the first time. I will never if someone recommends a show to me and they're like, you have to skip the first season. I won't. I'll watch the first season if I even watch the show. Yeah, but that's just me. Um, should we talk a little bit more about why uh, comedy kind of comedies frequently, as you mentioned, fall under this umbrella? What are your thoughts on that? Why comedies frequently do? Yeah. Um, I was trying to think about that going in. And, if, and again, I feel like everything I had to say about it, you could argue, you could make the same sort of thing about a lot of different shows. But I guess off the cuff, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, as there are in a lot of TV shows. And there are a lot of characters to get to, to, to familiarize yourself with, but those characters have to have a personality, but because it's a comedy, they also all have to play into the humor in some way, whether it be a straight man or the opposite. Um, and establishing who those characters are from the beginning without making them seem too one dimensional is probably a very tricky thing to do as a writer. And I, you know, and if in comedies can also just be like episode of the week type things, there might not be like a plot that carries from from week to week. And so when there's no continuous story, like plot wise, you have to be able to make your characters feel like they're growing without having to rely on the plot to drive that growth all the time. And you have to rely on maybe more minuscule bite sized plots, which 
I think can also be a challenge to get to know, even for writers who might have like backgrounds in sketch comedy or like short films and stuff. They're they're used to bite-sized things. It's Um, kind of a difficult tightrope to walk, really. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on it? I think you might have, it sounds like you might have some more formulated, cohesive formulated things than I do. I mean, no, I thought what you said was great. Um, My thought was mainly that uh, you find people funny once you know them. Uh, Mm. I think that's true in real life. And I think that's true in films and television. That's a good way of putting it. Comedy works when you're, when you're on the person's side, not even literally, right? Because there's lots of funny, like Dwight in the office, right? You're not on his side, um, but you like his character. You like that he's a curmudgeon. You like that he is a foil to Jim. You don't really know those things about Dwight in episode one. The pilot tries to teach you, um, but you don't really have a full grasp on exactly what Dwight is like and um, his kind of likable foibles, I guess you would say, until like almost an entire season goes by. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was Parks and Rec. Do you have anything more to say about that one? No, only just kind of a thing that also applies to everything we'll we'll talk about, or at least TV shows, is that as we all know, when we are receiving a recommendation, it you know, you often remember the person giving the recommendation often remembers the best parts, even if they are aware that some things can be can drag and and things you know plots can go nowhere, episodes can be pointless. We, it's really hard to not play up the good parts, and we're not it's not where we're going to talk about each one of these shows and say like, well, the good part is here, uh, but then everything else in between sucks, but. It's just that's just one of the other bummers about these types of recommendations and shows that could be characterized this way. It's something to always keep in mind. That's a really good point, right? You always look at everything with rose colored glasses and you do the same with the media you consume. Uh, So it would make sense that you're not going to remember the Mark Brandanowitzes of the world. Yeah. Hopefully, because hopefully not. Yep. Um, we'll go with one of mine next. Uh, mine, this is a sci-fi show. Actually, all of mine are sci-fi shows. So Ooh. maybe we'll talk about science fiction uh, and why that might be. But I have Fringe. Okay. So my experience with Fringe is that I had heard that it was good uh, and that it was an X-Files alike. And I heard that it was good as I believe the second season was airing. So I think it was at a Black Friday sale. Uh which is timely because Thanksgiving is coming up as of this recording. And I remember season one being on sale for like $10 or something very cheap. Mm-hmm. So I was in college at the time. I picked it up because I needed to consume some kind of media on a budget. Uh, and I remember watching it and I remember being intrigued by the first few episodes, but my interest fading. Uh, and the only reason I finished season one was because I had bought it. And there we go with the sunk cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. So then I watched seasons two, three, four. Uh, I love it. I fringe is one of my favorite shows now. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. However, season one, uh, we should note, like I said, fringe is very similar to X-Files. I Googled before this episode kind of TV shows that have disappointing first seasons. And I saw the X-Files on there and I disagree. I think the X-Files has a very compelling first season. Hmm. I think where fringe falters is that it tries to do the X-Files format of having uh, stories of the week, but also trying to connect it to an overarching narrative. And it just doesn't fall into place until the last two or three episodes of season one, where they all of a sudden try and connect everything all at once. And it, it just, it's a big misfire. Hmm. Uh, and as I'm explaining it out loud, maybe that is the issue with sci-fi shows that um, because the concepts are so big and intriguing and each episode can be very different, it can be hard to kind of string them together. Uh, well, but that, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait on my next one, obviously, until we're done with Fringe. But I have, it sounds like Fringe is the type of show. And I, I, I've, for the record, I've seen the first season of Fringe. I don't remember a thing about it. So right. this, is a little bit of, this is a little bit <laughs> of an education. I stopped watching after that. So it is Fringe the type of show where like everything carries over from week to week. It's one long plot. It's not like um, what, what's what is episodic the word or and not an anthology, but you know when like the, the episodes aren't directly connected. It's very it's very much like X Files, especially season. Well, actually, only season one. X Files will do Monster of the Week episodes, yeah, and then there will be main plot episodes. Okay, Fringe eventually marries those two in a really sublime way. Each episode. Okay 
both self-contained and propels the main plot. Season one does not do that, uh, or when it attempts to, it is very clumsy and ham-fisted. I see. And self-contained was probably the word I was looking for. It's because the, the one I'm going to do next after the, we're done with Fringe is, is a self-contained, uh, mostly self-contained sci-fi show. And I, it makes me wonder whether that helps or hinders a show um, in terms of investment watching. Because, if, I mean, it, and, and my guess is it, it's it's harder to commit to a show that isn't that doesn't have contained episodes, but has like a first season you want to skip, right? Because it's like, well, you have to watch the first season to understand what's going on with the rest of the show. In comedies, you could more easily skip earlier seasons. Yeah. But but in a show like if, if if you know season four of Fringe references season one and you didn't watch season one, I mean that's 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 rough, you know. Yeah. And again, like as I'm thinking out loud, I think in terms of writing sci-fi, you can go in almost any direction. Uh, So I think it's very tempting for writers to make each episode vastly different. And we were talking about the tightrope walk earlier. That is a tightrope walk then. Mm -hmm. How far astray are you going to go from what viewers, you know, kind of know and the comfort zone of the show while also doing these kind of larger than life, crazy plot lines? Mm hmm. Okay. So, yeah. That's yeah. so sci-fi, I have Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, which I, okay. Is one of my all-time favorite shows. I love it dearly. I have never once recommended it to someone recommended it to someone and told them that they need to watch season one. Um season one was a kind of a mess for a lot of different reasons. It, it is like I've tried going back and watching episodes from it, and it is brutal, but it's also from back in the time where seasons were 24 episodes and it's like why would you let yourself go through that um i mean in this you know these kind of problems plague many shows but season one we had a lot of like chaotic writing writing teams were not consistent scripts were rewritten a lot there were a lot of adjustments made to characters sometimes in their personalities and also their appearance there were really really shameless rehashings of plots from star trek the original series there definitely was some racism uh, in the show. There was some stilted performances. There was like kind of a lack of confidence with the actors and, and, and clearly a lack of faith in what they were making was like truly great. Season two kind of starts healing that. I mean, I think season two is definitely better than season one. There's better writing. There's more consistency. Um, Will Riker gets a beard. I think some, sometimes people say the show changed <laughs> when uh, Jonathan Frakes grew a beard and used that for Riker. It, I mean, it's I don't know if it's a coincidence, um, but yeah, Riker's got his beard. So there's that ladies eat your heart out. Um, and also, I, I I don't know if this is true or not. I heard this once like a long time ago that like Season one, I don't know how this works for a lot of different TV shows. I, I haven't never really truly looked into this, but in season one, budgets were contained to each episode. You and, and if you didn't spend the budget on one episode, like you lose it. It's like you use it or lose it. And in season two, the unused budget for one episode was able to be carried to the next one, which allowed right allowed like the, the showrunners to be able to do kind of like bigger episodes that maybe at higher budgets and then do like some like bottle episodes and, and, or like by the other, you know, maybe they spent too much money on one particular episode and then had to do a bottle episode to use less budget. I don't know, really know the way it manifested itself, but um, season three and four, it really hits its stride um, Two, I think can go back and forth in people's minds. Cause there's some characters that are really part of the main cast that aren't there in season two, but in, I, really, all I have to say about Star Trek The Next Generation is kind of what I was saying before about self-contained episodes. Like, it, it is easier to approach a show with self-contained episodes. I mean, you know, people curate these lists of, like, episodes you can skip of this show. And it's often, like, self-contained episodes. Like, you don't need to watch this episode and this episode and this episode and this episode in order to kind of get the gist of the show, to kind of get the main plot points when it when they do kind of have, like, a through line. And then there's, like, you can skip all the rest. And I don't know. If, I, I don't personally watch shows that way. I, I Like, a you know, a fi- like a filler skipper type list. I don't, I don't do that. 
I, I, I typically need to watch everything, but when I rewatch, yeah, I'm not going to rewatch the stuff that sucks. Um, but good, good strategy. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so I don't know. I don't know if there's anything too different or like what makes it different when again, when a, when a show, especially like a 40 to 60 minute show, and especially like a 24 season or a 24 episode season type show, like if it makes it better or worse or how it really affects investment watching when you, when it is more self-contained. I mean, I, I guess based on what you we were saying with fringe, it seems to me that investment watching is definitely harder to recommend for shows that you kind of have to have seen the earlier seasons to really know what's going on as opposed to like Star Trek, the next generation will reference stuff that happened in season one kind of frequently, but not in a way where you needed to have seen it. It's not really in any great detail and you could easily just know like, Oh yeah, it's because this character died. And then you're fine. You don't need to have watched like 24 episodes of sometimes shit just to get that one piece of information. Can I tell you something I learned about Star Trek The Next Generation because I've never seen it? Sure. Data just wants to understand the humans. He just wants to understand the humans, Aaron. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's a show that I have long thought about dipping my toes into, but have been uh, wary of precisely because of investment watching. Then I'll I'll, heard about season one. I'll use this time to say what I would tell anyone. Skip season one. Or I or use a filler guide or a, a skip guide for Star Trek and for at least season one, maybe season two, and then just watch every episode of the show, season three and onward. Good and bad. Even when an episode has like a shitty plot, it is just so damn fun. It's one of my favorite casts of characters in any TV show or movie I've ever seen. Um, it's just it's a phenomenal show. Uh, it's it's very rewatchable too. Can I tell you something that I recently learned about Jordy LaForge? Don't say he just wants to understand the humans. No, he won't. He is the engineer and he wears visors. Yeah, that is true. He does. Uh, <laughs> but he, if you had to say what he wants, it's probably to get some. Oh, okay. I didn't know that Jordy was a little horn dog. He's a little, he, he's, not, he's not very good with women. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a horn dog, but he's just not very good with women. I see. It's unfortunate. Data sometimes is better with women than Jordy, which is really a not a good thing. If if, if I was being compared to Data in that way, I would just kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can move on to my next cho- yes. uh, choice, which is also a Star Trek show. Oh, um, yeah, I have Star Trek Discovery. Okay, I have I, you- I have not seen it, uh, but please tell me. Yeah, so Star Trek Discovery, I think, falls into the same trap that Fringe does, where uh, Star Trek famously does a lot of self-contained episodes, right? They go to a planet, they encounter a problem, and then they solve it by the episode's end. Star Trek is not generally known for long-form storytelling, but maybe, you know, I haven't seen Next Generation, but would you say that's more or less accurate? Yeah, it's, there's really not, it's not a long-form storytelling type of thing, but when they do tie back to kind of themes and plot points that have existed in past episodes or past seasons, they nail it in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. So Star Trek discovery, again, like I said, falls into that fringe trap where they want to make a fun, upbeat, exciting Star Trek show that involves these self-contained episodes and self-contained problems. But they also want to have this kind of grand game of Thrones power struggle overarching season plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only does that not work, they kind of scrap it for the last three or four episodes and make the show entirely about something else for about four episodes, Yikes! three or four episodes. The show hits its stride in season two, season two, uh, again, just like fringe, it nails that tightrope walk of getting the main plot propelled forward while also getting fun stories of the week. So an example of some an episode that does not work in season one, speaking of Dwight Schrute, there's an episode where Rain Wilson, uh, as like a hobo time stone smuggler, <laughs> sneaks onto the ship and traps everyone in a time loop uh, for like an hour before the ship explodes. They have to figure this out and solve it, which they do. And it ends with him like reuniting with his long lost wife who he hates and her father who shotgun marries them. And it has nothing to do with anything. Um, yet it's inserted in this season where they're also trying to have these high stakes meta plot. 
Uh, and it just clashes so badly that it, it just, it's a mess. Like you could skip that episode in its entirety and not mm-hmm. miss anything. Um, so I, I think that Star Trek Discovery's season one's fatal flaw. Um, I think, like I said, season two, season three, I think they're on season four, which I haven't seen yet. Um, but they do the, the, the tightrope walk, as I said, where they marry the main plot with the individual episodes. Hmm. Um, yeah, season one is rough, though. I, I got to be honest. And it's one of those things like I, I've really only watched a big chunk of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. I've seen a bunch of the original series or like a handful of the original series. Um, my mom loved it. So I watched it a bit growing up and I just am not really into it. I'm not probably going to go back Voyager and discovery and enterprise just seem kind of like commitments that I don't want to make. I'm really happy just kind of rewatching next generation for the rest of my life. So I can't say I will ever watch discovery and it sounds like I shouldn't. It sounds like a glowing non-recommendation from you. Well, we'll have to answer that question at the end when we decide is investment watching worth it or not. <laughs> You're really building up. It all comes down to this one question <laughs> and it's it, it does not we're going to answer it. Don't don't get us wrong. We are going to answer this question. Does it fairly apply to all all TV shows? Well, Absolutely I'm gonna, not. I'm going to put a gun to her head. I'm going to make us say yes or no. This is the run button all over again. Yeah. Well, we are like, going to do the run button episode. Yeah, so we won't. Yeah, we won't answer our run button thoughts now. But it's the same thing. It's run button, yes or no. The button's there. It's not. Yes. Investment watching, yes, or investment watching, no. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what was what was your next one? So the next one is the kind of representer uh, representative from the anime car- uh, category, and especially like the shonen anime car- uh, category. It is One Piece which we talk about basically at the end of every episode we've ever done of this show, because I'm just, <laughs> I've been watching it for the last year and however long. And this is a great example of a show that you stopped watching. Well, I, I did stop watching. I stopped watching and instead I switched to the manga. That's what which, I'm saying. Like you stopped yeah. watching. I mean, you didn't give up I, on like the, the, the characters and because how could you, it's incredible, but this is a great, like, you know, I have stuck with it and you did not. And we each have our reasons for doing that. I think you are insane and I am not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've solved it. So the, the answer, the answer to the question, is it worth it now? But we'll, we'll get to that. Don't worry. And it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to wor- blow your fucking mind. <laughs> you guys, you don't even just skip to the end. Now. Why are you listening to us? Yeah. Um, so depending on who you ask, one piece does not get good until I hate that phrase, but until around episode 40, or if you're really picky, not until about episode 90. And there are between episode 40 and episode 90, there are some pretty not great kind of boring slogs of episodes. Now, what's or go ahead. What's your thought? Well, I, I was just going to say that um, anime in general, especially shown in anime, I think part of the problem is that in an effort to not, overtake the manga that's currently being published everything just goes at a glacial pace yes um there's filler dialogue filler shots filler everything um so i i mean can you think of other reasons why like i almost want to lump anime into that comedy category where it's almost expected that the early episodes aren't going to grab you like later ones are are there any other reasons why you can think anime falls into that um, the, the thing that's tough about this though, is that there are a lot of anime, anime, like one piece where you, people would say like a lot of different parts of the show are slogs. Like it, it's, an, it's an investment watching, not just a, I mean, I, I don't think you characterize it this way, uh, characterize it this way at the beginning, but it's not just like the beginning of the thing that it takes some time to get into. Like sometimes there are, there are, I mean, if it's a show, as long as one piece, there are some dull spots. That you 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 might hit a run of fifty episodes that you're not into, but you press on because there's a thousand and counting, and you want to you want to watch all of them. Um, I didn't really answer your question, or did I? No, I think you did. I um, think you did. I, I don't really know. Like, it, this is a unique example because of how many episodes there are. But shonen anime are it, it is kind of common as you mentioned to, to do this type of filler and to, to aim to not overtake the manga i mean very often you know 
one ep- one uh, issue of a manga is going to be three episodes of the show or more. And whether that's like filler or like they're just like completely different, like plots original to the anime that were not in the manga or like actually just padding what's already there. And it's the I totally get and it really depends on who you are. I mean, I I have like one of my friends, his son is watching One Piece and he's got all the time in the world to do it. And he started like six months after I did. And he's ahead of me now or, or maybe we're kind of close. But it, 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 but there was a time where he was like 300 episodes ahead of me because he has all the time in the world to do it. And I don't have all the time in the world to do it, but I make a lot of time to watch it because I am invested in it. And but people I, I have friends that love anime that are just like, I'm not doing one piece. I'm never doing it. I'm never doing any more shonens. I'm done with shonens forever because they're too much of a commitment. And there's a trend now towards even when you're adapting a manga is like seasons of TV shows are coming out less frequently, but, and they are, but they are more directly mirroring the manga. Like Jujutsu Kaisen is keeping a fair pace. Well, the manga is is definitely ahead and the uh, anime is a little bit slower in terms of like its production, but it's a pretty fast paced moving anime. And by in stark contrast, the likes of one piece or Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball in general, or I, I don't, I've never watched Naruto, but I, I hear that's a example too. It, yeah. It's absolutely an example. So, right. I mean, we, you know, I stuck with it. You didn't. And just speak on why you stopped and maybe well, but around what episode you stopped at. I made it all the way through Alabasta. I made it through all the way, all the way through Skypea. I think it was because I know why it was because after Skypea, there's immediately a filler arc uh, where the ship crashes into a Navy base uh, instead mm-hmm. of just landing like it does in the manga. And I remember immediately be, being turned off by it and then looking it up and seeing that it wasn't in the manga. Not that that matters necessarily, but we should note, especially for uh, anime, part of what makes filler arcs so frustrating is that characters will act out of well character or logical consistencies won't be there because they need to like fill up the time and fill up the space. And I just remember being, you know, that's not saying all filler arcs are bad, but this one was, and it made me just ditch the anime entirely for the manga. Mm -hmm. It's fair. And for context, I think that is probably around episode, like close to 300 where that happens. If I did, or maybe no i'm sorry maybe close to like 200 or that yeah i definitely made it through skypea because i do love yeah yeah so anime is a whole different beast when it comes to investment watching i I would almost argue that it is the the yeah it's a big i was about to say like the most important kind of commitment to make if you do want to end up watching the rest of the show like you need to watch those early episodes but then again you don't because so many other later episodes will flash back to early episodes i'm on a, i'm on like a little mini arc right now before wano country where there's just mo- half if each episode is flashbacks to each of the major arcs which is sometimes a little nice to kind of remember what happened like 500 episodes ago but i don't so, so much anime, like, like Shonen anime, like their episodes will act like you didn't see the episode before it. It's like it, they're educating you as to what just happened in the previous episode for like five minutes each each new episode. It's ridiculous. Well, also, anime oftentimes will remind you what happened that episode. Yeah, which is just unforgivable. Yeah. So we digress a little bit. We do a whole episode on anime. But anyway, what's your what's your third show? So my third show is Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Okay. Um, I picked this one for a lot of the reasons that we talked about. The writing gets better in season two and on. The characters get more likable and you get to know them season two and on. But what made the list for me and what makes this unique among a lot of shows is that um, part of it was the technology. So because it's a CGI show, um, you have to build sets just like you would have to build traditional sets. And a lot of season one, the the backdrops and the plots are all very plotting and drawn out. 
And it's because I feel in part because of the technical limitations of the fact that they were still actively building worlds essentially for future episodes. Um, I know this to be the case because I listened to the DVD commentary by one of the directors and they were saying exactly that, that they had to keep episodes more contained because they were still building the digital sets and the digital characters for the bigger things to come. Hmm. Um, Whereas that's really not the case in animation. Um, It can be the case in actual live television production, but I've never heard of a TV show where they had to save all the good stuff for season two because they were still building like the buildings the people would act in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think Clone Wars is a unique situation um, just for its, its technical aspects. If you go back and rewatch season one, again, a lot of the story arcs um, take place in very simplistic environments, like a lot of Imperial ships, things like that. A lot of the character animations are really stiff. You can tell that they haven't uh, nailed the movements yet which isn't necessarily true of all animation. You look at something like Attack on Titan where they nailed it immediately versus Clone Wars where there was clearly a learning curve for the animators on how to animate these characters in like a fluid, uh, interesting looking way. Everyone looks like woodcuts and moves like woodcuts in season one. And while there's some intriguing ideas, uh, it it doesn't get more mature developed. It's a little kiddie. so for those reasons, I'm going to put Clone Wars on here. I think it, I think it occupies an interesting spot for the technological aspects. I have not seen Clone Wars. It's been something that I've wanted to watch. And if I, I think even though I'm, I said just a moment ago that I'm the type of person who would not use a skipping guide, I feel like if I want to experience Clone Wars, I have to. I, like, I, can't, I can't be watching long shows like One Piece, putting them down when I'm caught up, and then starting a long show like Clone Wars. Well, the thing about Clone Wars, too, that, you know, this kind of screws up the whole idea of investment watching is that for the entire series um, episodes, and this was intentional for reasons that are beyond me, episodes are purposely will skip back and forth in time Mm. for no apparent reason. So there'll be a three episode arc with Anakin and Ahsoka. And then the next ep- the next three episode arc uh, will be Anakin and Ahsoka. But for some reason, and only if you pay close attention, that arc actually took place eight months prior. I don't know why. Um, you can look up Clone Wars guides online that show the actual chronological uh, episodes. Like if you follow it from beginning to end. Okay. It's really baffling. I, I don't know why they did that. Um, but I've been curious to do a rewatch of every episode in chronological order. But also, time is finite, and I'll die someday. You will. You you will. You of all people will die someday. Yeah, but can you? I mean, can you think of an yeah. example of a live action show where they were so busy preparing essentially the assets for season two that it made the quality of season one suffer? Because so many shows, season one just struggles to live. Right? So many TV shows. Don't make it past the pilot. Don't even get a pilot. So Mm -hmm. invest so much time and energy in a second season, you know, before the first one is even done. I can't even think of of a show like that. I can't really either. I can almost think of a show that you you could argue spend so much investment in season one that it just season two failed. But that's not really the reason. It's just because key people left. And that often happens, right? Like you could have a really good first season and then the showrunner leaves or Something like that. I'm thinking of Twin Peaks, actually, even though I love season two, even, even though it's very flawed. I uh, it was never going to make it on the list, but I was just running through shows I love and seeing if they fit the bill. And I was like, Dexter? No. Twin Peaks? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dexter was one. Uh, was someone once like tweeted, it's like uh, Dexter. It didn't say investment watching. I forgot. But they were kind of trying to describe Dexter like this. And I'm like, whoa, interesting take. I'm going to keep reading. This, and it's just a tweet, so it's short, but they're just like, seasons one through eight suck, but at least you get them as a lumberjack, so it's worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> seasons one through eight suck, huh? Okay. It's like I got right. tricked. You know, it's a bold statement. You can't disagree with that. Yeah, it, it is also a statement. You can't disagree with that either. Yeah. Um. All right. I I have three different film franchises written down and I, I i am to this very moment uh that i am speaking i have been unable to decide which one i want to go with and i feel like there's probably a better one um or one less controversial 
But because uh, I am pressed, we were pressed for time and that I have to give you an answer right now. (laughs) I'm going to just say fuck it and say the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. Okay. Okay. Please elaborate. Okay. And I'm going to be making my case in, in real time to myself and to you. So it's, I did not think this through and my gut was just like, this is an, a fair example. And, but, but there is some, I mean, I've seen all of it and it's in, you can contrast, compare and contrast the earlier films to the newer ones. And there are, there are things about the earlier ones that are better. And there are things about them that are worse depending on how you define it. And it's very, very, it's so subjective. I mean, all of this is subjective, but except one pieces, which is, which is way too long and slow. Uh, but I love it because I hate myself, but Iron Man one is very good. I would argue that every other movie that came out between 2008 and 2012, 2012 being the Avengers, so phase one, phase one is really not that great. And I, and I say not that great compared to a lot of the stuff that came after that by comparison, they seem worse. And I know a lot of people would disagree with me about this. Some people very feel very passionate about like Captain America, the first Avenger being a great movie or like Iron Man two. Yeah. But like, so you got Iron Man, then you have incredible Hulk, you have Iron Man two, you have Thor, you've, Captain America, the first Avenger, and then you have the Avengers. And it, when the Avengers hit, my original thought was like, this was all worth it. Even though I did not really love the Incredible Hulk, I kind of thought Thor was meh. Iron Man 2 was bad. And I thought Captain America, the first Avenger was good, not great. And it really wasn't until the Avengers where I'm like, all right, they're really doing something here. And and I got, and that's when I got really invested. They brought all the characters together. Even though I liked Iron Man 1, I bought it on DVD and I rewatched it tons of times. I didn't really care about where it fell in this greater, like the like the, the teases to the Avengers initiative just like was exciting, but not the reason I cared about Iron Man. I cared because well, I, Robert Downey Jr. was great. And I just, I just feel like the MCU, especially knowing what we know now, what they've accomplished since their highest highs, and their lowest lows. I feel like if you're trying to tell someone to start watching the MCU films, I feel like it, it, MCU is a big investment watch and not just because it's ongoing and not just because there's 30 films and a bunch of TV shows and counting, but because I think it's this, the overall start of, of it is not that strong by comparison to what's come later. Well, and I think too, if you think about comic books, uh, comic books, you know, throw these characters together pretty frequently. Uh, there's not a lot of something like phase one where everyone is kind of splintered off into their own films. They, their personalities really kind of coalesce when they're bouncing off each other. Um, like you get an idea of who Thor is in Thor one, but you really get to see Thor's personality shine when he has to contrast with other big personalities like Captain America. And uh, I want to say Howard Stark, but that's not it. Tony Stark Um, and things like that. Like that's when their personalities coalesce when they're part of that team. Whereas you don't see that you just see them kind of being on their own first, Uh, which is a unique problem. There's really no other, there's nothing else like the MCU. There's nothing that has ever been like the MCU. Um, in film history. So I, I think it's a problem unique to the MCU. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. So that was, that was big and bold, but I appreciated it. Um, can I piss you off to no end with my movie choice? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, hit me with it. Go ahead. Lord of the Rings fellowship of the ring. You know, the thought crossed my mind not to include it because that's fucking bananas. It crossed my mind that you would pick it. And I don't know why. I know we just, and then I was like, no, we just talked on our special episode about favorite like trilogy or like third entries or like we said, Return of the King. I get that it's the third entry, but like, I was like, Aaron would never do that. But but the fact that it entered my mind in the first place that you might, that's what the feeling I really should have <laughs> sat with 
and absorbed because that was right. My gut was right. You're, you're, you should always listen to your gut. It's always right. Um, this is not my personal opinion. I adore Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I adore the time. Oh, right. How- you prefaced by saying that earlier. Okay. I take back all the hateful things I was just thinking about you. Yes. No, I, I absolutely adore Time and Hobbiton. I adore Bilbo's birthday. I love all of it. Um, however, I've heard from many people that I know personally that uh, they either turned off Fellowship of the Ring if they watched it on streaming or they rented it, or uh, it was just a big ask in the theater for that first hour and they felt like they didn't want to continue. Again, I personally disagree with it, but I can see one making the argument that the first hour of Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring is not nearly as compelling as the rest of the film for a variety of reasons. No, that's wrong. Yeah, wrong. That person's wrong and yeah, well, let's, objectively let's wrong. I'm going to force you to play devil's advocate because I like to see you squirm and I like you. I like to watch you be forced to hate your own love. Good, good luck. Force me to do anything. I, I can do whatever I want. This is my That's podcast true. too. But That's they hit, true. Me, hit me like try um, to do what you want to do. I mean, can you understand the perspective of someone sitting down to fellowship of the ring and being ready to turn it off after 25 minutes? Yeah, but I wouldn't really want to be friends with that person. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Um, it's a slow start. And if you're not into the vibe it gives off, which is a very, uh, you know, like charming agrarian fantasy vibe, uh, the, the film shifts away from that tone, you know, once we leave Hobbiton and we start our adventure, but that's absolutely where the film begins. So, okay. All right. I'll, I'll play this game now. Now I, I've probably pissed off our prospective listener who who found Lord of the Rings boring but I'll I'll indulge against my better judgment the the beginning of Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring is a lot of talk about fearing something very tiny and going on an adventure regarding something very tiny regarding stakes that if you have not an, like a really keen like sense or like fandom for fantasy you might find mind-numbingly boring and dull maybe how did that feel it felt did horrible you... i hate myself <laughs> okay I, I in fact i i don't i don't think i believed a word of what i just said <laughs> but someone out there does right someone out there uh that is what they're thinking and so that you know that's why i bring this up i brought lord of the rings up not that it's you know my personal opinion but i have heard from several people that that is their attitude towards the film and therefore haven't seen the rest do, of the do these people like fantasy um no then i don't care what they think <laughs> at all if, if i would if you showed me someone who really loves fantasy and i'm sure they exist too who thought lord of the rings the movies i'm not going to talk about the books but like the movies just got off to way too slow of a start and dragged I would really want to hear them out. But if you don't like fantasy, don't watch Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I don't care what you think. They were expecting a rom-com and it really pulled the rug right out. (laughs) They just wanted a meet cute. It never happens. Oh, it happens. There's a lot of meet cutes. There's a whole fellowship of meet cutes. That's true. Would you argue that the the Council of Elrond is just one big meet cute? It's a huge meet cute for all these powerful world leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for another film in a franchise, uh, we kind of, you mentioned the MCU. I'm going to single out Thor, the Thor franchise. Okay. Unfortunately, because of Thor love and thunder, I'm going to say out of those four films, only one of them is good. Um, but you have to sit if, you know, if you're going to investment watch and you're going to watch Thor one and two before you watch Thor three, Thor one is watchable, but not really that great. Mm -hmm. Thor two is bad. Um, and then you get Thor three, which is pretty sublime. Yes. I would, I, and I, I didn't even want to try to play that game with myself because it ultimately, like if you really want uh, some of the appreciation for Thor three, not all of it, but some of it comes from having invested your time in the other Marvel cinematic universe movies, ones that Thor's in in particular. And so I, I would argue that you can't talk about this without talking about the larger MCU. But I see what you, I see what you're saying, and I and I do agree with you in the kind of context you put it in. Well, thank you, thank you. So um, 
that was that was our TV shows and movies. Do you got um, any other? I have one more that I'll share, and then I've actually talked myself out of the other one. Um, the Friday the 13th franchise, and I'm kind of unqualified to talk about this because I've only seen probably about five of them total, including the first two. But I think the first two are pretty bad. And it's not until, like, I hear three. I haven't seen three, but I've seen four and a couple after that, that when you... It, that, that it, it's almost kind of like a sh- like a really shitty like Halloween knockoff for one and two, and it just made a lot worse trying to capitalize off of like the slasher genre like craze that Halloween kind of reinvigorated or arguably started. It's not like four. It kind of becomes its own like that silly bad horror franchise. It kind of like becomes more campy. I mean, it's no pun intended. Um, Actually, pun intended. I'm a liar. <laughs> but like it, it, like one and two seem like they're trying really hard for a, for a slasher. I mean, there's some camp in it for sure. And yeah, you gotta, I gotta use stop doing word. it. You gotta stop it. <laughs> I can't recover from this. Um, it, there's just like a silliness that eventually grows, and maybe it's because. it's in sharp contrast to one and two. I just one and two feel like they're trying too hard. And, and, and whatever I've seen that came after two just seemed just ridiculous and stupid, but in the fun way, I would get really, I don't like Jason X is, is a blast. Yeah. I I would not want to go back again and rewatch one and two. I rewatched four for Halloween and it was wonderful. It was lovely. And if you want to, if you want to invest in the Friday the 13th series, and I'm only, and that's why I say I'm unqualified because I have not watched all of them. I don't really view it as like investment watching. But I mean, it's just kind of hard to watch the same bullshit, like dumb slasher thing over and over again, like in a row. I wouldn't binge Friday the 13th, but I have seen how it starts and I can say that it's not good. And so, and I can say that everything I've seen that follows first two movies is fun and worth watching. So in my view, it kind of qualifies for this. But that's kind of why I ultimately didn't go with it because I hadn't seen all of the movies. No, I think that's okay. I mean, the only one you really missed from the main what first five is three. And I, and is three good? I don't even know. I I actually haven't seen three. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that that was all of our uh, movies and TV shows that we had examples of. Um. Also, uh, I'll just say some TV shows that uh, I saw on lists when I Google this, uh, that I vehemently disagreed with. Uh, I saw breaking bad on a lot of lists. Yeah, I did too. And better call Saul. And I think that's all nonsense. It's garbage. Yeah. Because in my mind for this question, it's, is the show compelling immediately? Not does the show get better than it was because breaking bad starts incredible and compelling and it gets better than it was, but it already started at like an a minus and then it goes to, and that's why people cite Better Call Saul, because Better Call Saul is not trying to be the show that Breaking Bad is, but people wanted it to be. And the people who abandoned Better Call Saul were probably mad that it wasn't being that show. And then what they missed out on is that it did end up doing things like Breaking Bad, but it be, it was its own thing and all the better for it. In some ways, I think Better Call Saul is better. That's controversial. Is it? I don't know. I haven't seen all of better. You don't know everybody. I don't. You know what? I have not met everybody yet. I'm working on it. Uh, Were there any others that you saw on lists where you're like, "Uh, I don't think so. For the record, you wouldn't meet everybody. You would stop. You would give up because you value your time too much. I do. Also, I don't want to meet murderers and rapists. And I'm yeah, true. And I'm also sorry. I I really do sincerely apologize for framing your stopping watching or playing things (laughs) as giving up. That is very toxic and it is not okay for me to do that. I, uh, it's, it's, it was a well-intentioned barb. It, it's, I, it's really, it wasn't, it was not intended to be, this is how I treat myself. I treat myself as giving up, but I do not extend that to other people. And so I'm, I'm mostly just hating myself right now. And I'm not meaning to attack you for it. If, if I had given up on Pantheon, on the hollow nest and hollow night, I would have been like, I'm giving up. I have failed. If you tried it and stopped it, I wouldn't think twice. I'd be like, makes sense to me. Good for you. I'm glad you value your time more. 
I wouldn't treat it as you giving up. I truly would be like, there's four more games I can play 12 hours of and then stop playing and then come back to nine months from now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, Back to your question about uh, things on lists that I saw that I vehemently disagree with. I mean, you named Breaking Bad. That was the biggest one. Dexter was one. Um, I think that's ridiculous. I think seasons one and two are incredible. Three, I actually kind of liked and four is excellent as well. So not not really what i would it's not the the way not investment watching by the way we kind of find it if you look at it as a whole and you're someone who's trying to get into a show and someone's like well these seasons are good this one's really bad this one's okay you and then you're like do i want to watch this show or not and and that i guess in a way that's its own type of investment watching right because you have to deal with some of the bad to get to the good oftentimes regardless of where the bad is yeah, Dexter is really interesting because uh, I, I I like I like season five. Uh, I do I too. Did, I did not care for season three really. Um, season four was great, but that show in particular is its own beast because each season is kind of wildly different in quality. Yeah, um, it's its own dark passenger in that way. Yeah, you know it is. It is a real dark passenger like that. Um. But any others from any list that you can think of? I can't right now. I, I'm blanking, um, but I know there, I mean, there. Mad Men was on one, uh, but I I thought that that's a little fair. I think Mad Men's like first like five six episodes were slow compared to the rest of the show. I mean, the show is slow in general, but I think that it took me about that long to get into it. But I I didn't think that really qualified. Yeah, for my list at least. So this is the moment that the listeners have been eagerly awaiting. Don't assume that there's plural. <laughs> the, the one person listening james when he goes back to edit the episode when he's listening <laughs> oh man there are times where i've like it, i pulled up like the stats like the listening stats and i don't do this often but every once in a while usually someone will ask me like do people listen to your show i'm like good question <laughs> let me check <laughs> and there will be like an episode usually it's only like a, a month old but i'll be like it had like two listens and i'm like that was probably me and you yeah probably um but Every once in a while, someone that I don't expect tells me that they watch or that they listen to certain episodes. And I that's really cool. I'm I'm glad. And I get that we everything we do is not always for everybody. And we make this for ourselves more than anyone else. Um, but it's not, I like when people like find an episode that for that we cover something that they love to death and they listen to it and they like it. So, I'm, yeah, I'm happy yeah. It. it makes it all worth it. Casey, our our guest was is a big fan of ours. So hopefully yeah. our guests are at least. Yeah. And yeah. Then, so after we answer this question, I will ask another. That is yeah, oh, absolutely oh, is an even even crazier question to ask. Absolutely. So definitively, we're going to answer yes or no. Is investment watching worth it? Yes. I'm going to say no. Wow. Okay. Shall we give our? This is good. This is healthy debate. Shall we give our justifications? We've we've been doing it this whole episode. I just explained to you why I hate myself enough to watch a thousand plus episodes of One Piece and counting, and you didn't want to watch that. I knew I knew what your answer was going to be from I, the very well, beginning. <laughs> I mean, I, I so I guess to go into more detail on my answer, I'm going to say no because we live in kind of a golden age of really all media. Yeah, um, there's too much content. Yeah. There's too much content. And if something isn't going to catch you immediately and you don't want to invest the time in it, I say, go find something that you do want to watch that will engage you immediately. You know, there's no lack of things out there. If there were 10 shows, I would say, yeah, slog through season one of Parks and Rec because Mm -hmm. only 10 shows exist. Whereas I think that it is a better use of your time to watch the first 40 to 90 episodes of one piece that you might not like in hopes that you probably will find something that you do like and get hooked to it than to spend all that time watching dumbass TikTok videos. Okay. I, yeah, I agreed. I agree with that. I know there are people who vehemently disagree with that, but that's just my, my view on it. it depends on how you're spending your time and in, in it really like, and, and as I get older, again, a whole nother separate conversation is just like, do I want to invest in new things or do I want to just rewatch the stuff I already know? Even if I'm rewatching stuff that is part of that kind of investment that I had the first time, like, yeah, I have to watch some bad episodes to get to the good. I try so, not to watch rewatch stuff like that. Um, but yeah. So what is your question? Is investment podcasting worth it? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say no. Interpret, so no. interpret it the way you want. I guess yeah. I meant... <laughs> 
Is this is an existential crisis type question is like, was it worth it? We're almost at episode 50. Was it worth it, Aaron? Was it worth it, listener? If you're oh, still with us? Was it worth it, Aaron? Was it, worth it? <laughs> it was worth it. It was all worth it. It was 100% you know? worth it. For our podcast specifically. I can't speak to every other podcast. It's a rhetorical this. question. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a podcast binger out there that just is, listens to this show even if you don't know what we're talking about because you feel like you need to watch every episode, I hope it was worth it up until yeah. now because yeah. it's only going to get better. And crazier. just get ready. We got the holiday coming up. We're got some, we got some big episodes for you. Just stay tuned. But in reality, probably we're only going to have two more episodes before the end of the year. Maybe yeah. some, maybe a special episode thrown in here or there, but they're both going to be bangers though. That much. They're going to be bangers. And and maybe I'll just say right now to the one person who might be listening to this, to have this to look forward to, we have experimented with the idea of doing a video game draft special episode as an ongoing, like recurring um, thing that we do. And I'm still kind of like ironing it out. We're still going to like talk about how we're going to actually implement it, but in essence, it's going to kind of mimic like a fantasy football draft, but of video games um, and with kind of in association with certain years, consoles, genres, we could do it any which way. But that's something we might do maybe by the end of the year. I, I don't know. But I'm going to make yeah. I'm going to make Final Fantasy six the quarterback. <laughs> we're definitely not going to do it that way. <laughs> no, we're not going to break down positions. What I, uh, what I position really think- would the Grinch play? Mm, that is a great question uh he's definitely a long 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 receiver is that a position in football no I mean, you could just say wide receiver wide receiver he's a wide receiver he's got those long legs especially yeah compared to the who's who are kind of anatomical freaks although i suppose he is one too he's just got long limbs he's tall he'd be great wide receiver the grinch <laughs> nailed it <laughs> 